Well, welcome back to Live Scent. It is Missions Month at First Baptist Arlington, and my name is Luke. And my name is Ashley. And today I'm going to do something Ashley dreads, <laughs> which is making her answer questions about herself. Yes, yes. In a recorded situation. You're welcome. So this is a pure gift from Ashley. Accept it. Treasure it. It probably won't <laughs> happen again anytime soon. <laughs> no. So... Um, Ashley, in case you did not know, was the first cross-cultural worker that our church sent independently. Um, Back in 2007. Which is a pretty big deal. It was. So, Ashley, today the theme of our conversation is what cross-cultural workers wish you knew. And so we have a former cross-cultural worker sitting with me right now, yeah. and that's Ashley. Ashley, where did we send you? You sent me to um, Southeast Asia. Okay. It's a really populated place mm-hmm. that Ashley went to. Um, you know, I was I was sent to three different areas, and I experienced it in three different life stages. Which is quite a bit. It is. It is. So you went as a single person, you went as a married person, and you even had your child <laughs> I did. While there. Yes. So a lot of life. I did. I did have a lot of life. And I had a lot of experiences, too. I saw a lot of different types of ministry. um, And from business, BAM, business as missions, to traditional, like, you're just a business person. And um, your husband's a business person and in the tech industry. And so you're able to do uh, ministry um, alongside international churches and um, the diaspora, yep. um, Farsi-speaking diaspora, along with uh, community development and um, insider witness. Which so what is that. insider witness? <laughs> insider witness is really about um, somebody who has the same ethnolingual cultural sensitivity or upbringing um, that can represent the gospel in a much more contextual way. And so it, it's when you really we use insider witness um, when we're talking a lot about unreached people, people who don't have access or have limited access to the gospel, raising up people, discipling them. And then maybe God has a call on their life to be a leader um, within their um, people to continue to spread the gospel. And so that would be an insider witness. Um, mm. You know, technically, you and I are insider witnesses here in America among Americans. Yep. But that's us. Uh, we don't no, think we about don't, it that way. We don't talk way. about ourselves no. that way. <laughs> so there it obviously is a lot that goes into being a cross-cultural worker. It does not look the same from place to place or even from time to time. I mean, you've already <laughs> delineated a few different ways that you did this. And I think one of the keywords that you've already said, and this is a keyword to the missions conversation period, is context. You used it in the phrase contextual. So as you went from context to context, what what do you think you learned? There's a lot. I mean, I'm sure you learned a that's lot. A, that's a big question. Um, context to context. That one, that it that God is moving and that you can partner with God 
um, in different contexts, and it looks differently in different um, areas, among different people, among different languages. Um, God is bigger than what we think. Mm, um, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your original question? My what mom you, brain already started that's working. Okay. What did you learn as you moved from context yeah. to context? I think the biggest thing was learning to be who I was in the way that um, God had specifically designed me and figuring out how to live that out. And that was a journey. Um, I had this idea in my head back in 2004. I mean, I had this calling um, towards missions since um, high school. And so I had this idea in my head, I think that was kind of implanted by this Western concept of trying to really send out workers, more workers to the to the fields of harvest, as they would say it. And it took me a long time to journey through that to really understand how God had what God had put in my heart and how I was supposed to be obedient to that. Mm. Um, I think I wore a lot of different hats that I thought I was supposed to wear. And along that way, there were certain things within me that were, uh, there was a lot of friction in that, um, that I've come to realize, you know, out of the goodness and the graciousness of God, my final time overseas as um, a parent, as a mom, um, as a wife, I think was the most profound part of my experience over there. Again, that time was about five years. I mean, I, I, li- I lived over there for seven years, but that time period was about five years. And in that time, I thought I was there to uh, disciple and plant churches among the local people, but really God brought people, the diaspora, who were seeking refuge and asylum from Central Asia um, and coming to this land of all places and needing help. And it was just practical help. And one of, here's a story, Luke, one of the- Love stories. (laughs) I, one of the things that along my journey that I realized is I hate teaching English. It's not for everybody. No, it's not. And I know you're an English major. I So I actually felt called to missions in high school as well. And the reason I chose to get an English degree is so that I could go teach English overseas. And I thought I really wanted to do that until I had a Belarusian student uh, come into the writing center on a weekly basis. And I was trying to teach him English. And you know what? I just learned that that wasn't for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I <laughs> I can't explain the English language. I was horrible. I have a degree in it. You have a degree. Frankly, no one knows how to explain the English (laughs) language. Well, so one of the, yeah, one of the outcomes of that was I hated teaching English, but it was at the powerful moment of my life where I had people in great need around me and begging for me to teach them English because one, they couldn't go to school. They had no protection in the in the legal system. Um, they 
um, were running away from persecution and their children needed help. I mean, they just needed help. And um, so I remember driving along the road one day and talking to God. And all of a sudden, God just said, who are you to say no to something that has been gifted to you since you were born to give to somebody else? Mm. And so these people had, these refugees had asked for English language lessons. And I just thought, how selfish of me, even though I thought I knew I didn't want to teach English. And I, and I didn't, I was poor at it, poor, poorly, and I still am poorly at it. Um, it was at that moment that I knew I needed to stop and rethink everything and just submit myself to be a witness and a friend and to journey alongside these people who needed that um, camaraderie, that help. Um, again, this wasn't me. I wasn't saving them. I wasn't rescuing them. It was us jointly working together. Mm. And so we created a, um, I have some uh, wonderful friends from it, and we ended up creating a community out of this local church that were um, starting, uh, the refugees were teachers and learners, and we were walking alongside them as we were learning and teaching with them. And it's blossomed into this beautiful um, learning center, refugee learning center, education center that is now impacting various nations. It's now opening doors um, from a national level. It's opening doors into um, people to get their GEDs and high U.S. high school diplomas and being able to transfer it to other universities that um, would never be an open door for them. And so I think just being able to be humble enough to, to hear God's voice and to confess um, my disobedience at that time mm. and to just submit to it and to submit to God's leading in that was probably the most profound lesson that, lesson that I did learn. And the fruit of what God did with all of that in our community um, is just amazing. I mean, it's really, I, I feel like it's a a representative of kingdom here on earth because when you go there people find community they find belonging um in the depths of you know they're running away from persecution and they're in really hard places and they have no one to turn to so they turn to each other in this space and there are believers and there are people who don't believe in Jesus as well but when you walk into that space, volunteers, those that are teaching, those that are getting paid, and those that are learning are really um, being seen. And I think for someone to be seen is so important. Mm, I think so. And so when God sees us, you know, God God sees each and every one of us, uh, it's such a testimony to ourselves I and mean, just to us about his presence. But anyway... That is probably the most, the the biggest thing I've learned. And that's just a personal story of mine. 
it's not across all cross-cultural Well, no. You, while you were a cross-cultural worker, your experiences are not going to be the same as other cross-cultural workers. Uh, and I think even now, if you were to go back and do it, your experiences would be different. They would be, and I would know not what not to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> what are the questions you wish people would ask you when you got back? Because I'm sure people would ask, oh, how is it? And it, which is a well-meaning question, sure. but you know, how do you summarize mm-hmm. life in an entirely different country and the work you're doing? So what are the questions you wish people would ask you as a cross-cultural worker during the times you came back to the States? I think um, I would have loved more questions about the ministry and the work itself and how people can continue to be a part of it and bless it. I think, you know, you you give your life to something, you give your all. I mean, you're moved over there and you're being shaped and living under a lot of stress as well. Um, and to step away from that is is a grieving point because you're having to grieve a life that you left, you built, and you left to start a new life. And so keeping those connections are life-giving. And if people would just talk about the ministry, how could they continue to bless it? What's going on? Um, Be interested in it. Be involved in it. I think that we understand from a cross-cultural perspective that it's not necessarily you're looking at us. You're looking at the vision and what God is doing. And that's really why we go. We don't go go for ourselves. We go for what God is calling us towards. And so we want people to be called towards that and not focused on us. Yeah. Good questions. (laughs) If you... Got to sit down with high school Ashley after she experienced her call to missions. What would you say to that bright-eyed high schooler who was discerning a tremendous call on her life? Oh, Luke, that's that's a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say to yourself? <laughs> Get ready to be surprised. <laughs> You know, um, life's been hard. I mean, to be honest, it's it's been hard. We've had some hard roads, um, experienced some hard things. Um, for that naive Ashley, that 16-year-old naive Ashley, I would say you've got to continue to, to be rooted in your identity in God and continue to grow in that and to make sure you have a wise pool of people around you and be open to them speaking into you. I think one of the things that I, that I did at probably too young of an age is I didn't, I sought wise counsel, but not consistently. And so it wasn't like a mentorship thing. And I wish I would have done that. I, I had some at the beginning whenever I was uh, single. I think as a m- married couple, I wish I wish I had someone that was older and wiser consistently speaking into my life. Again, when times were tough or when we had questions or I was debating and deliberating on something, I sought wise counsel. 
But I think that's why discipleship and mentorship is so important. Mm -hmm. It's so important. And that's kind of what I'm looking to do today with uh, younger women. And so how can I pour myself into them? Um, So, yeah, that's what I would say to myself. Because the road, the road was tough. The road was very tough. Yeah. Yeah. There may be someone listening or maybe someone in our church who knows someone who is trying to figure out if they are called to this sort of life. How, how did you know that this was your call? First of all, we need to talk about the word call. Oh, it's a hard word. <laughs> but maybe not this podcast. We load a lot into it. <laughs> we do. So if someone's thinking about going down this road, mm-hmm. what wisdom do you have to share with them? I think you need to really um, – one – the wisdom I would say is one that this is not an individual endeavor. Amen. And, and we think it is because we're individualist in America, but it's not. And so you need somebody to affirm that call. I would say multiple people to affirm that call that's around you, that knows you, and that are um, that's not just anybody. I mean, people who are walking the ways of Jesus need to affirm that call. And that's why it's so critical that the church is a part of that journey and that you have to have an external affirmation. So that's one thing. The second thing would be that, um, you know, you need to just, here's a funny story. Okay. Um, Cindy Wiles. I love her dearly. Um, she was in the position I am currently, and um, I came to her as a bright-eyed college student saying, I am called to missions. And she sent me to West Africa, which, which is her heart. She sent me there. And I came home for a summer, and I came home, and I hated it. I mean, today I love it, but I hated it, and I just said, I cannot do that. Don't send me there. And I, um, but the thing is, I didn't stop. I had such a call on my on my life to go. And sometimes as individuals, we experience something. And because it was a bad experience, we think that's the answer. Right. And it's not always. It's not always. Um, sometimes things are just hard and you have to push through it. So um, for this instance, it was me continuing to explore and to redefine what the Lord was calling me towards and who, what team needed me, where I could contribute. A lot of times we forget that we have to look at where can we really contribute and we have to ask the receiving end, does that um, – an Indonesian word is chochok. Are we chochok? Are we compatible? Compatible. And and so um, just being open and honest about that when you're looking at this journey, one, it's not you by yourself. It's it's the church and you together. But then also the re- the receiving in. Um, Do they actually need you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't wear a superhero cake because trust me, you're not going to be the superhero. 
you don't go to be a superhero. You are no. more so um, out of your time. You will be humbled. You'll be stripped to your core. And God will use you if you let him. Mm. Powerful word. So we are nearing the end of our time here. If someone in our church wanted to be sent as mm. a cross-cultural worker, what what's open to them? Yeah, I, I would think uh, a couple of things. I I would say that you need to get involved in going on one of our impact trips um, just to kind of get a, a taste of what life is like and experience different cultures. Um, we have a lot of things going on locally that you can get involved with, too, because one of the things that we look for about sending is, are you faithfully involved? And externally, is the church affirming your giftedness in this? Is this what you're supposed to do? And to do that, you've got to be involved. Um, so trips, um, local engagement, um, internships. I mean, if you're a young adult or college students, we've got internships um, that we're pushing out so that you can go to global centers and be a part of that and just kind of sense what God is doing in your life. Um, and we also have opportunities to you know, if you want to try a year somewhere, if you want to try a year and a half before we really make a commitment as a church to send you long term. And when I say long term, yes, two years or more can be long term. But we're we usually right now are focused, depending on your life stage. Um, if you're a family, we're going to ask you to commit to four years because there's a lot of preparation and transition for your family um, if you go overseas. Um so you can just contact me, and we can journey together um, and uh, get involved. in. we have training as well that we would do. But um, it starts with a conversation. One, it starts with prayer. It starts with um, getting people around you. And it starts with a conversation with me. Love it. Okay. Well. There you have it. Missions Month. You Live Sent. Live Sent. You won't get this questioning until next year. Yep. One more year. <laughs> So you have an entire year to think of the hardest personal <laughs> questions you can yeah. to ask Ashley. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. Thank I appreciate you. it. All right. Well, we will be back in a couple of weeks. Bye.